Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce the guest, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. I promise it will only take a minute. If you can please go to iTunes, give me a five-star rating, a short, short review, glowing, of course, would be preferable. I would really appreciate it. Today on the podcast, the fabulous Courtney White. She is a big shot network executive at Scripps, which is now Discovery, where she spent a lot of years climbing the ranks. She started at HGTV, then went over to Travel Channel years later. Now she is in her current position for about the last six months as EVP of HGTV and Food Network. Courtney's been a friend since the day I walked into her office about 12 years ago. And every time we see each other, our conversation always ends up going in a million directions, which is, of course, what happened on the podcast, too. (laughs) I hope you can follow it. So we're going to jump in. Hi, Courtney. Hi. This is so exciting. It is so exciting to see you in the hotel room with the um, Pacific Ocean as a backdrop and palm trees over your head. Like, nice place to be. I know, but where's the sun? June gloom. June gloom. You know it. I know. So we're here. Yeah, you're here for Real Skin West from Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So when I met you, you were pregnant with baby number one, who's now how old? Claire is going to be 10 next month in uh, July. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, you were super pregnant. I remember that. You were like ready to give birth. I And I just felt like I needed, I just needed to were to the very, very, very last day. That might I have been to. when I saw you on the last day. <laughs> it probably was. But like, sure, I could take a pitch meeting. Yeah, no problem. Um, but I just, I just wanted to like, you know, because your maternity leave kicked in when it kicked in and I just wanted to get to the very end so I could yeah. have those 13 weeks. Yeah. And I, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but our first meeting, we were like in love at first sight. At least I felt that way. I did too. <laughs> and I remember we were, we were probably super loud. Um, yeah. We Most were, likely if it was me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the 1180 building mm-hmm. of Scripps then in Midtown. Yep. And so we programmers used to share the floor with somebody from legal or maybe it was in um, distribution. Some, you know, some people whose days were going through and reading contracts with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> right. And Needed those, concentration. Yeah. And those poor guys like put in like a floor transfer request because we were so loud and we had like Brian Balthazar and Lauren Roosh and a bunch of us doing like tango in the hallway right. <laughs> and it's just not a good environment to be reading contracts in yeah. so um the creative so, and the business affairs yeah. sometimes but it worked out we got them on a different floor everybody so we could just you, you could know, be stay you. ourselves yeah exactly so when I met you um you had been when did you join Scripps so I joined Scripps in 2005. Okay, so, it so was this would have been shortly after. Yeah, so this would have been 2008 when we met. Okay, so yeah, I had been there probably at that point two and a half years. Okay, and then I remember we bonded because we had remember we had a good friend in common, Alana Trachtman, yes. who you had worked with at HBO or for yeah. or you had done a project for HBO. She and I had worked at a small production company, um, Working Dog Productions. <laughs> Right. And, and that then, was like a documentary. Yeah. And then she and I worked at HBO on different projects, but we were both doing children's documentary programming oh. at HBO. Um, and then she she did her own independent documentary. Right. Um, and took that whole path. But had she just moved to Philly? Is that? And it was before that. I had okay. met her doing jury duty in New York. What? I know. And then she reconnected 
like somehow through my sister and then was like, wait, Elisa Rose and I met her at jury duty. And then she moved to Philly like a few years ago. What after. a good jury duty group. I, I did grand jury duty, but there was nobody. <laughs> I didn't find any kindred yeah, spirits. I think she was the only one. Let's be real. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's so random and all of New York. So, okay. So you, let's go back. So you're from New York, from Long Island. From upstate New York, from Albany. Oh, I was going to say, cause yeah. you, but you were living in Long Island. I was when living I in Long Island okay. right before we moved to Knoxville. Yeah. Wait, are you from Schenectady? No, but um, Albany, which is Albany, so right, it's Albany, Schenectady, okay. Troy. It's the, the right. Tri Cities area. Right. <laughs> um, so, it's like Albany proper or so a suburb? There, it's a suburb called Loudonville. Okay. Santa College is there, um, so it's like ten minutes away. But it's all very condensed. And you have two sisters. I have three. You have three. There's four of you. There's four of four us girls. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I know yep. one who I love to death, Whitney. Yeah. She's in the, the only other one too. in TV. Yep. And what do the other two do? So my oldest sister is an English teacher in Manhattan. Okay. Cool. Um. And then my then there's me, and then the third one is a real estate agent in New Jersey. Oh my god. Um. A former. Um. HSN personality. She used to really. She, well, she worked for the MoMA Design Store. She was in product development. I, the MoMA Design Store is amazing, isn't it? I mean, Side her job note, yeah. was going to like France and Germany and yes. Japan, finding all of the product for the store. That's and so then cool. she would hawk her wares at um, <laughs> on HSN, where the prime slot apparently is like two a.m. So she knew she was doing well <laughs> when they like booked her overnight. Like I was like, oh, 2 a.m. And she's like, no, that's when they actually sell the most right. stuff. So that's it's hysterical. like when she was like at the height it's on for fire. insomniacs yeah. who have like lost their mind yeah. and are probably on Ambien and just buying, buying, buying. Right. Right. That's but great. you could do worse than binge buying on the moment design stuff. Like, Seriously. That's, that's that is a good. My mom. Yeah, if you're going like, to be a hoarder, load up on that. Yeah. Yeah. My mom. Those were like all her special gifts were from that store. So and MoMA, by the way, is a museum of modern art in New York. So now we're not too inside baseball. <laughs> OK, so you grew up in New York. Did you always know? Were you and Whitney uh, secretly plotting to uh, <laughs> to make like the t go TV route? Like, well, what were poor you Whitney is like six years younger than is me. She? So, yeah. So she was the, she was the baby of the family. And my family bought a, a video camera and my dad did all this research on whether it should be VHS or Betamax. <laughs> Betamax. And guess what he picked? The Betamax. Betamax. Yeah. Wow. So um, so they had this Betamax camera that like, you know, we would go to the video store to rent our tapes. Yeah. And like the world was your oyster if you were VHS, but Betamax, <laughs> you had like eight movies to choose from that we would just watch over and over again. <laughs> so this camera didn't get much use. Right. Um, and funny. so I remember like getting up the nerve to be like, oh, can I use the video camera? And it was like, um, you know, it, it was, I'm sure, expensive. And it was like, nobody could touch it. And it was in this like golden pelican case. And they were like, my parents were like, sure, which shocked me. And then once I felt like, oh, I could get my hands on this, I just started making movies for the neighborhood. So Whitney was more of a, you know, a go long prop than, you know, a collaborator <laughs> at that point. So we would like hang her from trees and, oh my God, you know, all of hilarious. that. So, um, you know, I would make her stand in the living room and like recite all the swear words that she knew like at three or four. And <laughs> um, so I did that. I started writing um, plays in junior high and submitting them to festivals and really? competitions. Did you win anything? I won a $50 savings bond from the <laughs> New York State Museum. Amazing. Yep. Which um, I had to cash in right away. Like my parents right. were like, if you wait, then it's really $50. I and I was now. Like, it was, so it was like $26, but I just, I just really need that $26 That's in my hilarious. pocket. Um, 
and then wrote and directed plays in high school and um, then went to NYU Film School thinking that I was going to do feature films. And there you have to work in all different genres. And I really, I love documentary. I felt like once I got into documentary, that's when I got more ideas and um, did some internships at independent documentary houses and kind of there realized that a lot of the work was fundraising and writing grant proposals. And I had also um, interned at ABC News Productions and they were doing A&E biographies and they were doing um, a four-part documentary on Vietnam. And I realized, okay, once you get hired for that project, you're just working on the project from day one. Like the the funding is there by the time (laughs) you're on. So I was like, oh, that worked. And I loved the speed of it. Yeah. so I just started in documentary there and um, at ABC News at Studios? ABC News Productions as an as an intern. Okay, and then and who um, was in charge there? Anyone that we would know, like that went on to big things? Uh, Lisa Zeff. Okay, <laughs> um, who I remember she was um, about to go on maternity leave when I was there. And then I reconnected with her a couple of years ago and she told me how old her daughter was and I almost fell off a chair and I was like, but you know what? Like that makes sense that tracks. because that's how I, that's how I just like our first memory is maternity yeah. leave. It's easy to, it's easy to track, track whereabouts. Babies. Yeah. Oh, that's um, funny. So, and then I went to Working Dog Productions where I met Alana and we worked on documentaries for PBS and- What kinds of docs? So for PBS, we did a an hour on um, this guy, John Gardner, who had founded um, Common Cause and was in um, LBJ's cabinet. Really? Um, and he was a, at that time, he's died since then, but he was a professor at um, Stanford and was just really about, um, I mean, it was, it's even more timely now. He was really about the power of democracy and the responsibility of the voice of the people mm-hmm. and um, to keep government in check. Um, hmm. So seems timely of, for our times. Yeah, exactly. Go dig up his books because they're really, they really resonate today. Yeah. Um, and then we did um, Tom Simon, who was head of the company along with Jeannie Shanahan, his wife did, uh, he came from a national geographic background. So we did, um, documentaries for nature on PBS and then a whole lot of um, A&E biographies for Dido Hearn, which I loved working on. So, oh my God, Dee Dee. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Where is she? Where is she now? She had been at Food Network. Right. And That's fine. I haven't... Um, I'm not sure where she is now, but um, she was a, a great exec to. So that was back for. in the day. It was back in the day. Yeah. It was back in the day. We did the, we did a big special for A&E called the biography of the millennium which was the 100 most influential people of the last 1,000 years. Who was so, number one? Jesus. Um, no, um, <laughs> Gutenberg, who developed the printing press. Yeah. Because he was the precursor for all of That's interesting. media and just basically changed everything from education, communication. So he was the, he was the number one dude. Huh. I remember we made the list and it was very heady and yeah. we needed to put a little, we need to put some right. pop culture in there. So. Right. Like was Madonna on there? <laughs> um, Steven Spielberg was. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what, how did you end up making the leap to scripts? So, um, so it was Tom Simon and Jeannie Shanahan who ran Working Dog Productions. Okay. And um, Jeannie Shanahan ended up going to Food Network, 
Okay. Um, because her friend Eileen Opatot, um, Eileen Opatot, I yeah, remember worked her. at Food Network, so drew yeah. her over there. And so Tom had been overseeing really production, and Jeannie had really been doing a lot of development. So I started to, I came on staff as development, which was my first development job yeah. for them. And um, for Food Network, uh, for for Working Dog Productions. So I was oh, developing oh, all oh, sorry, documentary, okay. and then a. Um, I remember I was doing, I was developing an HBO documentary called Dealing Dogs. Right. And I was down by myself in Arkansas with like a a hidden camera in a shirt, like a, a flannel shirt that I had just bought at Walmart the night before. <laughs> was and it was a puppy at, mill thing? It was, So where I was was a an auction. Oh, God. That was selling stolen pets for uh, medical research. Oh God! And I was just scared out of my wits. Right, because you were going to be all brave them. and journalistic. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just kind of walking around, like trying to like keep my cool and trying to capture all of this. And, and you had a hidden camera in your flannel and your Walmart in flannel. My flannel. And how do you know if it's working? How do you check it? You don't. And I'm not like I <laughs> technologically. Yeah. Savvy. And so I was just like, I hope, I hope, you know, it ended up being fine. Wow. Um, and Did you so get good was, stuff? I got good stuff. I mean, we ended up doing a full-blown hour documentary called Dealing Dogs, which was um, an, an HBO Sunday wow. night special. Did it end up shutting it all down? It didn't end up shutting it all down, it, but it made a lot of noise and it got a lot of press and it got a lot of a lot of people who were raising money um, because the USDA is really responsible for a lot of that oversight, but their staffing is really limited. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of people running um, nonprofits to help the cause. So they ended up getting great exposure and funding. So it really, um, it helped foster that, um, that grassroots movement. So, you know, just that awareness, I think. Amazing. Helped. Um, but while I was down there, I got a call from Mary Ellen Awada Oh my saying, God. Now you're bringing me yeah, back. Jeannie Shanahan said, I should call you. We're having a development. We have a development position at HGTV in New York. And do you want to talk? And I just remember like I had just been undercover and it was yeah. like the scariest thing. And I should be like invigorated. But I really I was I, terrified. Yeah. And I thought, oh, HGTV, that sounds really light. Nice. <laughs> Not <laughs> scary. That is and, such a 180. Um, yeah. So um, I met with with. Uh, Mary Ellen and I had really been wanting to be on the network side. I really felt like really pitched on the sales side. I really felt like I, for me, I was really hungering for the bigger context and I felt like pitching from the outside. Like I didn't know the full story. Like I didn't know what else they were being pitched that day. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know their slate that wasn't announced yet. And I didn't know, um, you know, the ratings weren't available to me on the production side. So I always... You really had that. I really felt like I really want that info. Like wow. I just... Because I was I was frustrated by... Um, Being in a vacuum. Well, I was just frustrated by how much... Like, you know, my, and my sister is in the same world as a real estate agent where you put a lot of time in and it's, as you know, like you're putting all this time in and then your return and how do you, if you measure yourself that way, like it was just, it was, I was very frustrated and I felt like, okay, I was obsessed with how can I be more effective and how can I get those 
that ratio better. Oh God, now you're depressing and me. I feel- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, maybe I should have gone to the network side. Damn it, you're Come right. You're right. Over. You're right. <laughs> so I felt like, well, development at a network, I can still come up with my own ideas. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also, it, for me, it was interesting going to a niche network mm-hmm. because sort of the the blessing and the curse of being on the other side is you can develop anything. Yeah. So it was like I would read the New York Times and a million ideas and I couldn't control that. Like anywhere I go, I was like, can I just enjoy anything without trying to turn it into a TV show? But nope. I, every moment I was like, is there something here? Is there yeah. something here? Is there something right. here? Is someone else going to do it? Right. And if I miss it, will they and develop it? And so I was it? like, well, at a niche, like yeah. then I can just sort of shut down the noise that's not home related. Like that's one way to wow. um, be able to enjoy just like going to a museum to go to a museum. Yeah. Um, Look at you are really forward thinking. I was mean, I? yeah, like I feel like it took me a long time to figure that out. I still I haven't. It was really. just kind of survival for me. Like, how do yeah. I keep motivated? How do I like, yeah. keep motivated? Because. And did you like the home space? Were you someone that, I mean, I remembered you were, I think when I met you, were you renovating your house in Long Island or you yes. just bought a house? Yes, exactly. Right? And, and we you were had, really into it. I was really into it. And I still am. Like, yeah. I'm a, <laughs> right. I'm sort of a serial real estate right. buyer. I think I'm done now. Okay. But, but you always enjoyed it, like, as yes. a hobby. So it always. made sense to align. My mom is super, like, my mom is one of those people who redecorates every time you visit her house yeah. you're like wait Love where's it. i can't find <laughs> wait i thought wasn't this a living room and now it's so it was constant interesting um, and she always had those magazines around yeah um and it was so, probably cool because you were meeting talent that like you're like i could use that person as a designer or, and i remember you know. at that time it was short-lived but they had todd oldham on oh yeah um, right. the, when i first joined hg and i loved him from house of style and he made right. this like patchwork <laughs> chair in that For you? that i no, the, oh. on the show that I did. Oh, I wish I kept fun. it. Yeah, you should have kept it. Yeah. That's so, okay. So you, I remember, so you were working in development and what I yeah. loved about you and still do and why I think you, you're a good, great executive and why you've ro- risen through the ranks the way you have is that, first of all, you came from being a producer, which I think is extremely helpful. Yeah. And then secondly, you're very smart at, um, at, at shaping, you know, at taking a kernel of something and saying like, what if we did this? Like, I don't know if you remember that I sold you something off like a one minute clip back in the day with the with the, with the English guy that was a negotiator. Remember oh, yeah. that? Yeah, ahead of its time. Yes, <laughs> that's what I say about everything that didn't go to series ahead of its time. <laughs> but you know, it was. I love that guy. It was yeah. It was it was nothing. I mean, it was nothing in terms of like it wasn't a sizzle, re- you know. But you were able to see like this guy's great talent. If we put him into this format, you know, it could really work and kind of work together as a collab collaboration to shape what that became, which was nothing, but we did get, I think we got a pilot or a we presentation. Had a we had a good, we had a good time, but also that, um, you know, that you were also savvy about kind of what worked on the network. I mean, you know, and what kind of talent people respond to. I mean, I think you sort of had that eye and that knack early on, which I think served you obviously, cause you, you know, you've just continued to rise, continued to rise. So talk about kind of your trajectory should that's a hard word trajectory um and you know and and kind of you know how you 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 stayed in the scripts world which now is discovery yeah that's a whole other thing we'll talk about um what was the evolution and kind of like Mm -hmm. what were your goals along the way yep so when i started at hg um we were the structure was split between current and development like a lot of the networks are and like a lot of discovery networks are right Um, a new thing to be um, back with. Yeah. But so I came in just from uh, 
just from a development perspective. And I think because I had been doing development on the selling side, um, you know, I was work, I was used to shaping things and I was used to, um, you know, I really, I give Sheila Nevins at HBO um, and Amy Schatz, who was my boss there, a lot of credit for teaching me how to develop because we would be working on these children's documentaries and they were segmented shows. So you had to go in with all these pitch stories to Sheila of what kinds of stories were you going to um, create? And you had to go in with like hundreds of ideas. And these were like little short segments for any to get through. And so it was a constant dance of yeah. like being able to read the room and right. she's responding to this, but not really. And how about this? And so and Sheila, yeah, for one, for the uninformed, she's one of the greats. I mean, she's just retired last year, ran HBO documentaries for like, I think 300 years. I mean, what a mentor to have. You're so lucky. Yeah. And she, I mean, mentor is probably a strong word. Cause okay. she, w- she <laughs> what a was, boss. she was like, um, you know, like in that movie, The Golden Child, where they like open the golden gates and there's like that yeah. like empress with like the long fingernails that you get for like one second. And then you. she right. was more like that. So it wasn't, okay. but just having that exposure yeah. to her. And then and she's so smart. So smart, like a gut, like I have never right. seen. Um, and Amy Schatz, who's a brilliant producer, director, who's still working on HBO projects. She was really a mentor to me. And um she taught me about the viewer. She taught me about the importance of taste and retaining artfulness um, and story. I mean, she was just a brilliant, brilliant, and still is a brilliant, brilliant storyteller. Um, and she is so prepared. I mean, she is prepared for every meeting. And so my, I believe in being completely prepared and doing your homework. And those are habits that I really learned from Amy. So and do you see that like when you sorry to digress a little bit, but when you take pitches with producers, is that like a pet peeve if you feel like it's haphazard or that they're not ready for all the questions you have? Because I really, you know, like what you're alluding, alluding to when we met, you know, like you don't want it, you don't want the meeting to just go to (laughs) <laughs> too scripted. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, right. because there's a magic a natural rhythm. Yeah. There's yeah. a magic when two people get together, because like, if you have, if you have an idea and I have sort of my personal response to that idea, like together in that moment, it becomes something else. Yeah. And that's my absolute favorite part of this whole business. Yeah. The serendipity. Yeah. Where it's like, if there was a third person in that meeting, it becomes something else. Like there are all these forces. It's like the sliding it's like doors. Of, it is. It's true. It's, I so, always think, I always think of that, not to digress even more, but if like two, ed- I always think like an, a show that would only be interesting to people like us is like if two editors took the same thing, <laughs> right? you know, cause I always think like, God, I love the way the editor shaped this, but imagine if this guy or this woman did it, it'd be a totally different thing. Would it be better? Would it be what, like, I want to see what that other version looks yep. like. Yep. So is that way too, I think I went way too <laughs> off course. <laughs> no. All right. And I, let's get back on I um so I think you know those meetings happen when every everybody's both prepared right so in my seat like so I really yeah. know my viewer as well as I can and I can really give you like how can I give you the most valuable feedback and context that I can and then on the other side it's like if we're just riff- so there's the idea that's going to be sort of you know in a nice little bow at the beginning of the meeting 
but then like let's get that nice little boat off there and like let's really dig in and take out the tissue paper and see what the meat is yeah so then i think like those meetings even though they're not going to be neat and tidy they're most productive when both sides can like really go there and and riff and so i feel like i mean i love it when a when a producer or a developer is like you know, I throw out something and they're like, no, here's why that wouldn't work. Cause X, Y, Z. I was like, oh, oh yeah, scrap that. But this, you know, really? and it's like, so if you get that pushback, huh. um, I mean, that's when you really get something good. Huh. So I just love that collaboration. Yeah. Oh, I like that. You like the pushback. <laughs> I just like the pushback because I think, you know, it's what I think is the beauty of this business is like different people in different roles are responsible for different Mm -hmm. viewpoints and different positions. Right. So if I'm, if I'm thinking about the network as the whole and the viewer, I also like somebody to just be in love with that show. Yeah. Like, I think that's how you get a great show too, where it's like, this is believing in it, believing in the show. So there's that push and pull where maybe that show needs a little tweak for the context that I'm thinking about. But I also don't want to, like, we're not making widgets. So, you know, you got to have, you got to uphold the integrity and the magic of that show, which may break some of the rules that I'm looking for in terms of, oh, we need this and we need it to be repeatable and we need to, and it's like, well, no, then that's not this show because this is why this show is great. Yeah. And what's and an example? Show is a great show. Like, can you have one off the top of your head of where you pushed back and the producer stuck to their guns and it made magic? Let me think for or a is second. Is this theoretical? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, so we did a show on HGTV called Ellen's Design Challenge with Ellen DeGeneres. And one of the things that we had wanted to do and Ellen was really interested in doing is to make an art show that didn't have elimination. So right. it was a competition, but that everybody stayed to the end. Yeah. And wouldn't that be different? And wouldn't that, yes. you know, and um, <laughs> Ellen had had recently come off of American Idol and she found it really challenging. God, she did yeah. that. That's crazy. She had found it challenging yeah, she didn't to like be mean. That. Right. Yeah. And so that really appealed to her. And there had been a number of us networks who were vying for this show. Right. And I think that was part of why she, um, among others, like wanted to be on HGTV, lucky us. And we were able to do the project. So, um, and Arthur Smith from a Smith was producing and I remember it was at a real screen in DC and we were talking about it and we said, and it's going to be elimination. It's going to be a competition, but nobody's eliminated after every episode. And he didn't even say anything. He just like, there was a little twitch in his face. And I was like, you hate that. And he's like, here's why it won't work. And he listed the, the reasons. And here's a guy who's like the absolute master. I mean, talk about a creative force who yeah. on the fly can just make things better. Yeah. Um, and he was right. And it made it that we were, you know, this idea that was like such the heart of an idea of um, the show. And so, you know, Ellen was an executive producer and Jeff Kleeman, who um, runs her production company, and we revised it. But, you know, we were we were all gung ho on this model. Right. And just a little twitch of. Arthur's face and Arthur and I at that point hadn't worked together and we didn't have the relationship. And I just wonder, like, if 
if I hadn't seen that little twitch, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> could we, and that's the other part of being, I think a ne network exec. It's like, you have somebody who you're working with, like there's nothing more valuable than the people who create the shows and that talent that they bring. And the track record. And the I track mean, record. And yeah. it's like, you have to put trust in yeah, them. Yeah. And it's like, you like draw that out yeah. and make it, make it clear. Even if it's a new relationship where it's like, Tell me when you think an idea is Yeah, look for the Twitch. Like, yeah, so it's like... <laughs> look for the and Twitch. And luckily we were in person, so I could see the Twitch right. rather than on the phone. And so how did Ellen come around to the idea of elimination? Elimination. Well, she was um, she was not going to be in the judge's seat. So she okay. was fine. She realized that it made a better show. Um, and man, is she an incredible producer and knows the art. Really? And just, so her notes were so... Were, phenomenal what makes her an incredible producer you know what i think it is i think it's the you know when i when i worked with her what i saw and it's something that i think about actually quite a bit now in a job that um just feels really big and how do i the the stamina that the job requires every day is yeah. no joke and something that like has been a real learning lesson for me in the past year or two and so for her, I just saw her modeling her whole life after like in a in a preservation of energy. So I can't even imagine what it takes to do a her daily show, show, right? A daily show for years and years and years, plus the added experience, which I've never experienced, of like every time she goes out on the street or anytime she's right. anywhere, like people just feel like they know you yeah. and that they want something from you. Right. So the amount of energy that must take is unimaginable. So I saw her as just being very smart in the way that she kind of, she was very deliberate about her time and her energy like nobody I've ever seen. And she's she's a an extreme example. Well, My life thing. isn't like that. Right. But I think it's way. rarefied air. I agree with you that I think that there's a reason that, you know, we're talking about her. Like, I don't think, I think there's a handful, again, a handful right. of people that can operate at that level. She's probably somebody that needs four hours of sleep and feels fine the next day, you know. Um, they're just, they're unicorns, yeah. those people. It's, and so and what when I you think meet that, them, it's like. Wow. I think in part she's so good because. You know, like the 10,000 hours rule, right. like she yeah. is producing like the amount of content yeah. that she is overseeing. And then I think she really is reading her. She has a daily, you know, we have the numbers and, the, and you know, we look on Twitter and all. She has a cross section of her audience right there in front of her every day. Yeah. And I think when you can feed off of that, it really um, hones your avail your ability to read a viewer and read an audience. That just makes you a really sharp program maker so yeah and I think she's not someone that's worried about um making friends and and everyone loving her <laughs> I mean and on the producing side and you know from everything I've heard viewer you know her audience and her viewers are a different thing I think she's very likable but you know she's she gets the job done she gets the job done and I I I saw somebody who was um as professional smart prepared hmm I mean, she did her homework when she came when she came to set, and I love that. I love that too. I find that the 
like the people who are the most successful that I've seen or the people who are the big, you know, you expect them to just kind of roll in late. Yeah, and just exactly. like, no, it's the doing? opposite. And it's the opposite. Yeah, they return the email right away. Yes. They show up five minutes early. Yes. And you think like, this person's doing that? Yes. I agree. It's always really impressive to me from anybody, from a high level producer, network executive, whatever it is. So, okay, so let's go back. So at a certain point, you, uh, I either, I don't remember if you told me or if I read it or what happened, but I, that you were going to make the move to from New York to Knoxville, which was like totally a a huge deal at the time. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a big deal now because you're settled in for years, but at the time it was like, what? Yeah, it was a big, it was a big, that was probably the biggest decision. Huge. Because it wasn't just about me. It involved my family. And you Um, had been in New York forever. You were married and you had at least one, two kids, right? two kids and I was pregnant with my third. Oh my God. Yeah. So Kathleen Finch, who now mm-hmm. runs the world, I think mm-hmm. <laughs> she's president. I wish um, you had a great relationship with her and, and, and we're doing great for her network. And she said, I want you with the mothership, right? She had, um, she had encouraged me to go there. It was not a requirement. Okay. It was not a requirement, but I had, you know, she was somebody who, and I had had, several bosses before her but there was just something about Kathleen that I I felt like I was learning more from her and I was learning more faster because of the way she communicated with me because she was teaching me very deliberately along the way um and I just really related to her and part of it was because we were working moms um we have you know, a lot of, a lot of our work habits are similar, you know, talked about somebody who re- responds to the email immediately, who is always prepared, who is always professional. Um, that's her. And so I really, you know, I think there's value in having bosses whose style is totally different from yours. And you get to see that and you get to take that. But when somebody has similarities of, even their life is you, <laughs> right. you know, of like, uh, you know, so I'm coming back from maternity leave and she knows exactly what that's like. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, you Your know, kindred was, spirits. We, yeah. And she had, she had, she was commuting from Connecticut to New York and then made the move down to oh, Knoxville. I didn't know that. Yeah. So okay. we were both on the commuter train trying to get home to make dinner. <laughs> yeah. And where is she from originally? From Manhattan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. So yeah. Funny. Yeah. From the West Village. Oh my God, I would have yeah. never. You should thought, get her on the show. Of, hello, yeah. ask her. I'd have to do like a two hour episode. She has so much content I would, to share. I would be overjoyed. I've only interacted with her a few times and been super impressed. Yeah. She's a straight shooter, which is what I like about she her. She is. No bullshit. No bullshit. Super smart. Yeah. Um, And that's, you know, I was just really lucky to start working with her when she was at the point of her career where it was, um, she just. She was very much in the team. Um, you know, she was roller sleeves up giving and she still like gives notes on more shows and you you don't wow, even know how really? she can watch everything. Yes. I sent her a cut. What? I sent her a cut of a it was a long cut, but it was a fifty six minute cut. And an hour and one minute later I got notes back. And I just oh sent her a God. note and I was just like, I don't know how you do this. She's a machine. She, yeah. Um, but wow. she loves the content. Like yeah. she, if I like, it's, it's like Christmas to her when she gets a rough cut. Like she yeah. is somebody who's just 
obsessed with watching the shows. She also seems like someone, not to make this the Kathleen Finch podcast, because I would love to talk to her, but I remember that we had um, some talent that got shot up the pole. Is that, got, yeah, is that an expression? Like, I don't think so. Okay, got, like, it went, <laughs> it went up, up the, the chain, went up yeah. the flagpole, yeah, that sounded strange. Um, to her quickly, I think we had, like, maybe an offer from TLC or whatever it was, and I remember that I got the email forwarded back. It was through an executive, I won't say who, um, at HG. And I remember she said, uh, you know, great find so-and-so to like in the email, like it was like very clear that she was, you know, making sure to give credit to one of her underlings yes. essentially. And I, I, it didn't go unnoticed by me. Cause I thought like, I, that's something I try to do. And I really admire, um, because you know, it, she was trying to make a quick decision on something, but at the same time, making sure someone was acknowledged and it yeah. just was like a little thing, but it, 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 it stuck with me. It, it and you know we're we're a big email company um, because we're spread out in so many different <laughs> right. cities. Yeah, that's how you have and to that's communicate. A, yeah, but there is. I've learned so much by just being attuned to how people respond to people in emails, and that was one of the things that Kathleen always did was when she gave show notes. It wasn't just like take this out, take this out. <laughs> like she was taking the time to write a whole paragraph about why. Yeah, and so she was teaching me how to give how notes. she was watching a show and how to give notes yeah wow um so she's really your true mentor i well i've read about what a sponsor is you know what a, you know what a sponsor are is? we talking about have you heard sponsor do we have an alcohol problem what's happening <laughs> no i don't know the difference i mean sponsor so i just a sponsor know sponsor like, is somebody yeah. who is empowered at the place you work this is okay. my interpretation yeah that can really like pull you up through the ranks so a mentor oh, interesting like a mentor could it's more of a guide to, a guide yeah. or they could be so somewhere else a mentor else. could be like to, but a sponsor is somebody who can advocate for you oh interesting to move up where you are yeah so she's your sponsor i think she's my sponsor you call her is, when you're like I, I i'm gonna have another drink <laughs> <laughs> should i um yeah. So, well, she's definitely, but okay. So she obviously gave you a lot of good reasons to come to Knoxville. And yep. at that point, and it was really about a learning experience for me. You've thought I'll take the sleep of fate. Well, I mean, also there, I remember we talked about this, like the quality of living. I mean, just, there were so many other factors that, you know, and you, that's what I say to people who, um, you know, I talked to about Knoxville, like the job is great. The company is great. There's gotta be another reason for you to be in Knoxville for it to make sense. Yeah. Um, Did you know that you were ready for a change? Cause sometimes you don't know, like when I moved from New York to Philly, I thought I'll be in New York forever. Like there's no reason. And then when I got to Philly, I didn't realize it was exactly the change that I needed. Did you realize that you needed to get out of New York? You know, we were, my husband and I were at a point where it was like, we were going to have three kids. Yeah. We, <laughs> we were space. commuting. Yeah. You know, it was just like something was going to have to give. And neither of us wanted to give up our careers. And so when we were looking at, you know, talking about like taking control of your, like how you spend your time. Yeah. You know, we looked at our days and it was like, okay, we're spending we're three hours a day. And here we are like not feeling like we're giving enough time to our kids and would like to work harder at our jobs but can't give any more there either. And so we just looked at this, you know, we added up the amount of time a week we were spending on commuting. And we're like, you know what, even if we just do this when we're, when the kids are little, we're never going to regret, even if we don't like Knoxville, we're never going to regret spending, being able to spend more time with them when they're little. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And what does he do? I know you he's told a, me. He's a, he's an attorney at Merrill Lynch. So he kept his job in New York. So 
he goes back and forth, but only he, he goes up to New York a, mu- a week out of every month and then works from home when he's home. Did he have to take the Tennessee bar? No, because he practices in New right. York. So that was another. Yeah. Same um, with my husband. Cause he's, oh, really? now we're in LA. He's an attorney, but he hasn't have to, had to take the bar. Thank God. I mean, I, I remember I him said, taking the, the first... divorce, <laughs> right? Like at this age, at this much time out of law school, it would take a new bar. How has he made the transition? It, you know what? He's finally happy. We're going on almost three years and he's finally adjusted. But it was it was a tough one. You yeah. know, I mean, it's a big deal. Like, I'm sure. Well, you can tell me if it was like this for us. It was like and I didn't think it was going to be like this, but it was like moving to another country because L.A. was so different than what we yeah. were used to. Was it like that from New York to Knoxville? I would think even more so because it's the South. Right. Which is a whole other culture. It was. But you know what? We we decided when we moved down, um, you know, we bought a farm. Yeah. OK. Now and you're so- an equestrian, which is like you're <laughs> you really it's a, you feel like it's like, a, a, a you know, not to use the correct analogy, but a horse to water. Right. It or was- a duck to water. <laughs> I'm, I'm conflating analogies. You can lead the horse to water. Like a duck to water. It was like, well, we, we decided to be, if we were going to do it, we were going to just do right, it in a way that we could. We're going to go whole hog. And we were like, let's get a place that, you know, maybe going back to New York is, you know, in the card someday. Maybe LA is in the card someday. That's where the industry is. Um, but in Knoxville, like, let's go all the way and like live a lifestyle that, were uniquely suited to at this moment. So we got a farm. We started rescuing horses. We got some donkeys. We got some chickens. Um, Had that been something that you always wanted to do? Well, um, my grandparents had a cattle farm in upstate New York. Okay, so you so you were that's where we spent the, weekends. So that it. was my and I remember it like my second year at NYU. I was like, it took me a long time to adjust to the city and then once I did I loved it but I wasn't like it wasn't instant for me right because New York and New York are two different things like yeah. uh, Albany is very different than no Manhattan. Albany is way more like Knoxville than right. True. the city interesting um so in a way it was like going back to your roots it's what it, feel, yeah, it felt you know, natural there's a big university there there's like a river like even the topography okay um feels like Albany and I'm sure god the real estate compared to what you could get in New York you must have been like is this for real it is pinch me am I dreaming it's true <laughs> like I went from you know, having what I thought was like a decent budget in New York. And I was like, okay, you can look at these two places and they're both like, neither has like even a roof. Yeah. And then in Knoxville and it's like, you can live on a farm, you can live on the water, you yeah. can live downtown. Like there's so many options. So what's, I'm jumping ahead yeah. a bit here, but I'm just, cause I haven't actually talked to you in real life about this. Is, is that gonna Is Knoxville going to stay is now that you guys have merged with yeah. discovery, will Knoxville stay the way it is? Yeah, so Knoxville is, um, I think it's called like the National Operations Headquarters of okay. Discovery, something like that. Okay. So, so Scripps is no more, like literally. Scripps is no more. We don't even say Scripps. No, I mean, I use it. <laughs> I used to have these, like this fancy kind of cards with yeah. like Scripps and my name on right. it that I would save for like special occasions. And now like I'm just writing like regular notes on it um, because I, I feel like it and it's like really nice You're to write on so- it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so it will stay indefinitely or have they made a commitment for X amount of years? Like, cause you need to know for your life, right? I mean, I think it's indefinite. Like, and there, I've even heard that there's going to be, you know, at the end of the day, more heads down there and they may build a daycare facility and a oh, gym. Oh, so they're doubling down. The down. It, it seems like this is all, but it's, um, I think it's going to be good for Knoxville. And 
Um, That's great. So were yeah. you scared when the merger, when you heard about the merger that, that it could change things for your life? I mean, beyond just the you professional. Know what? I, I wasn't scared, but I used it. Um, I, I wanted to use it as an opportunity. So I used it as an opportunity to have conversations with my husband about like, what's important to us and what would we do and what's our line in the sand. And it's like a play, a, a time to check your life priorities. Yeah. Because at a certain point, like, you know, there's opportunities that you say no to because there are other things that are more important to you. Right. So, and how often in like these crazy days do you get to just take a step back and just say, yeah, what's our priorities? And Right. Like if, like if this live. went away, would we stay and yeah. would I flip houses? Yeah. Which I'm sure was the conversation. I, I, I mean, I <laughs> am really, I reading your mind? I, I could I could get into the flip. I could totally see you game. doing that. I, I, I could as powerful a network exec as you are. I could see you <laughs> saying like, I'm going to, you know, adopt 7000 horses and just ride them all day. There's, I mean, I, I have so many Ina Garden recipes I haven't cooked yet. <laughs> I always say um, when I retire, I'm going to read my cookbooks. I don't know if uh, I'm going to cook from them, but I'm going to read them. I love just reading cookbooks by uh, a fireplace. It's like my favorite too. thing. I know. That's where I bonded with Terry Murray too. Right? You did? She, because she loves, you know, she's like, she loves cookbooks and cooking is her thing. Right? I didn't know that she had a, does she have a big cookbook collection? Yeah, huge. And I sent, I sent her cookbooks on occasion what is are we in manhattan with all these you know sirens? it was like this um all last night which oh really you know but like sleeping on a farm and then like when you're in a city <laughs> right. you kind of want a siren to wake you right. up you know you're like i need it not the chickens yeah the roosters <laughs> right. okay so at a certain point you went sorry we keep we keep going off course but it's so fun so. but i feel like that's our that's like, exactly that's this is why we had two hour yeah. meetings yeah okay so you at a certain point you made the leap from you moved down to knoxville and then at a certain point you were tapped for travel channel mm-hmm. and how did that come about and was that something that you welcomed so and what year was that um so that was december of 2015 um the company scripts was m- relocating travel channel from chevy chase down to right, knoxville right 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 so they were really um and they had bought travel channel a few years prior yes. but this was this was when they had decided to really fold it into the mothership and really approach it strategically like a Scripps network. Right. Like we're going to build this the way we built HG and DIY and all of that. Yep. And what perfect person to do it, but you. So I just, I think they really, they wanted to take, um, they wanted somebody who had been with the company a while um, and they wanted to be able to apply the Scripps strategy there. So. And what is, if you had to sum up the Scripps strategy, Yep. In a line or two. What would you say it is? I would say it's about creating brand first. It's about creating a consistent place where um, there's still, it's a lot of programming, a lot of premieres. So people are always getting something new and fresh. So our our premiere hour numbers are always really high, but it's about, creating an environment where people know and expect the experience they're going to get. Yeah. No surprises. No surprise. No surprise. You know, like if there's surprises, it's like what I came for plus. Right. Right. Added bonus. Yeah. It's not disappointment surprises. Yeah. Of like, like, what's this? Right. We're getting some dark show with like a gloomy ending. um, You know, with that, 
that takeaway, you know, you're always going to learn something along the way. It's right. really, you know, a well-educated, right. well-heeled audience. And reveals, um, I mean, at least with the HG of it all. Which is tricky a, on travel to have those ask payoffs that. that are so, such a part of um, HGTV in particular and Food Network too. So was that a hard adjustment or was it more seamless? It was a, it was, it was a hard adjustment to the storytelling, but what was a, what was great about that experience was I was able to build a team. Um, the brilliant programmer, Daniel Schwartz came from, um, Chevy Chase. So he relocated down to Knoxville and he oversees Expedition Unknown and Ghost Adventures and is one of the most brilliant storytellers and phenomenal writers I have ever worked with. So I, I learned an incredible amount of from him every day. And is then he running, who's running travel now? So now, um, Jane Latman, oh, um, right. It's so funny. So the musical chairs of it all role. So, um, and is doing a great job and has incredible insights and she's a um, great executive. So, so when the merger happened, then you were sort of, you got promoted, but then went back to H. So you're in charge of HGTV and food now. HG and food. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so was that something that you talked about with Kathleen before? Like this, you want to go back to HG or was it, this is where you're going, Courtney? No, I mean, everybody <laughs> knew. I mean, I, um, my love for HG runs deep. Yeah. And so like everybody knew that. Yeah. And Okay. It was the know, obvious, I was just, obvious choice. Yeah. Well, I just, I missed it, but I wasn't, um, I was the thing about working for Kathleen Finch and Allison Page, who's the HGTV and Food Network president, is I've worked with them for so many years yeah. and they know me so well. Yeah. So, you know, I just and I don't know if this is a smart strategy, but I don't <laughs> I feel like I don't have to. Pl- I, I, I don't have to strategize like, oh, what's my career? I yeah. just I try to do my best every day. Yeah. But they also they they want you they to succeed me. in what you like. Yeah. And they just they know I've always loved HG because I was still, you know, watching show and be telling them what I thought of the night before. Um, but, you know, Travel Channel was out of my. Even though I had come from documentary, I hadn't I hadn't worked that those muscles in a long time. Yeah. So I was used to doing you know, <laughs> right. HG Formulas. for at that point. Eight years. Um, yeah. And so. Yeah. 10 years. Wow. 10 years. So, um, you know, coming back to HG felt really familiar and yeah. I did, I did miss it. So, yeah. And then you added food to the purview too. So yeah, food, um, food came about in April of 2017. So I was doing travel and food. Um, and I had wanted to work at food network for a while and had talked to Allison page and Bob Tushman at different points throughout oh, the years and I just hadn't um god so this is like the best out. of all worlds well and I just feel lucky to be in yeah, a company where amazing. it's like I kind of bounce but it's like you bounce around it's like one great brand after another right. like I mean you could have easily I guess been overseeing ID <laughs> well you know it's interesting <laughs> did you think because, that might happen well the ID strategy is very much like HG's That's so true. like if you were to and right. we, call we it a always, different show right. new talents but if we would oh we would always say this at HG like who is programming strategically and the content couldn't be more different but it's the a really strategy good point. was yeah. very and um you know Allison it, and Henry have talked a lot about that yeah that it's um it's a different content but it's that same experience of 
you know, that viewer who comes back and back and you a strong brand, very strong brand. And the shows have a similarity, but then there's a freshness about, right. That keeps you watching everything. And then, you know, the goal is, you know, you get them, somebody turning on and they just can't, they literally can't turn off the network. And so, um, even though it's totally different, like I think we've been working very similarly. Yeah. So it, you know, I, mostly if you look at all the interviews that I've done, it's been probably more producer heavy. Well, it has been more producer heavy than exec heavy. I think at the beginning, execs didn't know what it was and the networks were like, Oh, we don't know. And now it's great. I can pretty much interview everybody. So, so having said that it's rare that I get to interview network executives, especially I love interviewing strong women. Um, I think that in our business, there are a lot of them, you know, as opposed to some of the other sort of entertainment uh, tentacles. Um, So I'm curious for you, especially like with the Me Too movement and everything, um, how do you feel about our industry, the unscripted industry in terms of, you know, sexism or if you've had experiences, you know, you are a strong perch in our industry. I mean, you're one of sort of like the top execs at a huge company. Has it been, you know, an easy climb in terms of, you know, have you experienced anything or has it just felt like you've had the journey that any man could have. I don't know if I'm asking that mm-hmm. even in the right yeah, way, but you. your experience is sort of, you know, a powerful network executive slash woman. Um, well, I think, you know, to have a role model like Kathleen Finch. Sponsor. Um, a sponsor. Um, and then to have a boss like Allison Page um, as, you know, people who I just respect so much also. And it's like in moments of like, oh, how do I how do I respond to this? And I just sort of, you know, the fact that I can kind of channel either of them at any point, um, like I, I can't overstate that value. Yeah. Um, but then it just, you know, I, I, I've worked for 13 years for a company whose mission is to really um, attract female viewership. Right. Right. And so, and I'm representative of that customer. Yeah. And, you know, from an ad sales perspective, it's the person with the credit card in the back pocket, ready to make the transaction, the person, you know, the gender who makes most of the buying decisions for a household. So there's real economic power in yeah, that. That's a good point. And I think, it, I, I think my, you know, and I, I am very cognizant of the fact that I've had such a positive experience in large part because I've been at Scripps, of the Scripps culture. It's always been an incredibly ethical company and why I was willing to move to Knoxville and put my eggs in that company's yeah. basket um, because of the way they treat everybody from their customers to their um, employees, to their partners. Mm-hmm. And... I think be being at a place where um, you're you're chasing women as your customer because of the buying power they have and the value of them in the ad sales community. Like, you know, women are women are just on 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 fire at that you know in that situation. Yeah. So I feel like I've been very fortunate in that and I realize it's been a bubble and yeah. I realize it's not it's a everybody great has bubble, been though. but it's been um <laughs> you know when when I read about like Sheryl Sandberg's 
um, lean in yeah. together. And it's like, there's just that culture there yeah, you've where been women. Yeah. And also having these partnerships with women. Right. Where like there isn't a great sort of um, stereotype about how women can partner together and work together. And it's like, oh, there's got to be a cat fight. Right. There's no. got to be all of that. And it's like, um, that's Haven't not how it is. It. And great. it's, it's um, like such deep level of support. And it doesn't mean that we agree all the time because that's actually not the definition of a real partnership. The real partnership is being able to have those moments of conflict and differing opinions and still come out of it with mutual respect and the best decision at the end because you've gone through that process. Yeah. So love that. Um, it's been great for me, but I also know I've been really lucky in where I've come up through my career. So, um, so like, I, I guess my feeling is, you know, just know there are places like this that exist. Yeah. Because, so encouraging. Yeah. Cause I have a lot of friends who haven't had that experience, right. but, um, you know, it's, but you have gratitude. I mean, I you, do. yeah, you put your, and also you do the work. So, you know, you're not someone that's like, you know, machinations here, you know, you just, you've worked really hard. You're good at your job and you've been rewarded for it. So I think that's just a great lesson as I try to impart lessons on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I just think it's about learning every step of the way. And I, um, you know, I've read a lot of interviews with, you know, Nancy Dubuque and others who are just like it, the most important thing is to pick the person that you work for and who you're going to work with. And I just couldn't agree more because it's all, it's all about learning along the way. Yeah. And I got, I've learned that lesson in my career that like you could be doing the most amazing content, but if you don't like who you're working for, it's just, it's not even worth it. Right. It's not. Well, I usually have stock questions, but I need to get you out of here so you can go take pitches and the like. So (laughs) I am so happy that you did this. Thank Thank you you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And I'm just I'm so um, excited that you even started these podcasts and that you're out here just kicking ass. And um, you're one of my favorite people in the industry. So right back at (laughs) you. Thanks, Courtney. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.